Episode of the Arachnicast of Justice, a New England Comics Tick fan podcast. I'm your host, Ed Moore, and there are spoilers aplenty. If you want to leave feedback, you can tweet me at Teal Productions, T E A L. The Arachnicast of Justice has Google Plus and Facebook pages. The website, bigtimenoise.com slash the tick, and the email address arachnicastofjustice at gmail.com Now, for those of you that may not be aware of who or what the tick is, I say, do what? However, the tick is a quasi-superhero. Well, I guess he is a superhero. He's super. um, Hero perhaps. He's, he's not like regular heroes. Um, he does have some mental issues. Uh, as a matter of fact, his first appearance is in a loony bin, so to speak. But he's described as having superhuman strength and superhuman mass. He can do quite a bit of damage to surrounding areas when he's in a fight, even if he doesn't mean to. In virtually every appearance, at some point, he describes himself as being nigh invulnerable. And more often than not, he that, that proves out to be the case. He can take massive, massive amounts of punishment. He can be knocked unconscious, and his antenna on his head, yes, he has antenna, uh, because he is a tick after all, uh, does seem to be one of his weaker points as far as experiencing pain. He, a lot of the pain comes through his antennae and his head. He takes a lot of, of head trauma. So he first appeared in the New England Comics Monthly Newsletter as designed by Ben Edlund. Designed to be, I believe, their mascot. So his first two appearances were in Newsletters data, uh, numbered 14 and 15 from 1986. And that will be the first appearance that I talk about. However, now that I have given a little information about the tick, let me give my history of the tick. Because that's where most comic book podcasts start, right? With an origin story. Well, mine... Uh, I was introduced to The Tick in roughly the summer fallish of 1991. His first actual comic book appearance was in 1998, so I was a little after the after the curve there. I had moved to Huntington, West Virginia, and gotten exposure to my very first comic book shop. Now, I have been, at that point, reading comics for... 15-ish years, 10 to 15 years. I'd have to calculate it in my head, but that's close enough. And Huntington was the first town that I had ever lived in and had ready access to a comic book shop. That was where I was first introduced to The Tick. That would have been during the initial run of his initial series. And I, I say it that way because as we talk about The Tick, you'll find that a lot of these first series books have been reprinted 
almost more times than you can count to try to keep up with demand. But I was a graduate student at the time, so I did not necessarily have a whole lot of money. I had some disposable income, but what I had was a whole lot of time, um, which I know may be hard to believe from other stories that you've heard about graduate school, but my graduate school left me with quite a bit of time. So I uh, found a comic book shop, subscription service, back issues, quickly got caught up on the tick, and have been a massive tick fan since then. All right. Now, the first appearances of the tick, as I said from the newsletter, um, I'm getting this from the complete Edland volume of the tick as published by New England Comics trade paperback. We start off being introduced. Uh, we have a, a small panel here that says the tick by Ben Edland. Now, the, this this initial tick um, went through a little bit of refining before his his first um, comic book appearances. Here, he looked a lot more furry or bristly kind of as far as his body texture. Um, now, this was printed in black and white. I don't know if his initial appearances in the newsletter were in black and white. I would imagine so because it would have been cheaper to print that. But we see the tick and he's, he's, he is narrating, but as far as I can tell, he is unconscious. So I'm not really sure how that works. He says, men call me the tick. Men also call me jerk, moron, idiot, insane, etc. I don't know why they call me etc., but there's a lot I don't know. I'm a superhero, sort of, but I don't have any justice hang-ups. So there, immediately, you have some insight into the tick's psychological makeup. And we see him, he's sitting on a floor in a straitjacket. He's being observed through one of those big um, windows that is not shaded, apparently, because here in a minute we see that the tick knows that they're there, so they can see both ways in this. And he's being observed by who we come to find out is none other than Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his lab assistant, Beaker. For those of you that don't know who that is, look up Dr. Bunsen Honeydew Muppets, and you'll find out who it is. So, a couple of Jim Henson's creations make an appearance here. Uh, they are observing the tick. Dr. Bunsen says, This patient has modeled himself both psychologically and physically after a tick. Eep, says Beaker, because, as we all know, that's all Beaker ever says. E or eep. That's all. A tick. One of those creepy, bitey things that sucks blood says Dr. Honeydew. We see that the tick was arrested uh, and committed after attacking a group of college students somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. The only identification he had was, it says a class reunion sticker, but it's one of those stickers that you can get that says, hello, my name is, and then you fill in the blank. And he just wrote tick, or somebody just wrote tick. We have a panel showing us. So he beat up some college kids. Here is the first 
usage of nigh invulnerable. Dr. Benson is telling us he's superhumanly strong and nigh invulnerable with the intelligence level of topsoil. A little bit more into the psychological makeup of our superhero, the tick. He wakes up, immediately sees that he is being watched, ambles up to the glass and says, Bonjour, mon ami. Dr. Honeydew says, oh, look, he's trying to communicate. Almost, you, you can almost hear him say that in a uh, saccharinely sweet kind of way, cutesy kind of way. On the glass facing us, the observation side, there is a sticker. There's a, a not a sticker, a note taped to it with scotch tape on the four corners. You can, you can see this plainly. It says, caution, objects in mirror are stupider than they appear. Isn't it fascinating, Beaker? I wonder what kind of thoughts are passing through that tiny spore-like mind. And in the next panel, we see just the smiling visage of the tick and a little sign over it narrating us, telling us pointless violence pointing to the tick's head. So that's what's going through his spore-like mind at that particular moment. Suddenly, the tick just reaches through the glass, just breaks through it, grabs Beaker around the head, squeezing it, pulls him through partially, and says, where am I? And then the next panel, he screams, Minnesota! So somehow Beaker explained to him that he was in Minnesota. Not sure how that worked. And he quickly punches Beaker in the face with a whunch sound of moving fist and a puck sound of fist striking face. Now, noteworthy is that once is a much bigger word, which in my mind means it's louder than the puck, which is the sound of the fist striking Beaker's face. Not why that's not sure why that's important, but it was illustrated for us that way. And that way you know in case you don't have access to these particular panels. Okay, Honeydew, which way is New York, he says, stepping through the break in the glass, and Honeydew is just pointing stage right. We see outside the Minnesota Community Clinic, whereby in the next panel the tick smashes through a set of windows, singing starts spreading the news as he goes running down the street. Dr. Bunsen's last remark is, there goes a very stupid and dangerous individual. Eep, responds Beaker. So our next page, those were two pages, and I, I feel as if those two pages go together. Uh, the next segment is one page, and it is of various news reports giving us background on what the tick has been doing since his escape from the Minnesota Community Clinic. Our desk anchor tells us the man known only as the tick, that's in quotation marks, escaped from a Minnesota state asylum late last night. He was rumored to have been heading toward New York. And we see him running He's run through a fence, and he's running towards us, and all we see are his feet. But oddly enough, on his left big toe is a toe tag marked deceased. Not sure where he picked that up at, but 
There we go. Next, we're told the tick apprehended a small-time thug in Barton early this morning. The youth is recovering from his first-degree burns and extreme hair loss. And over here to the other side, we have Cy Sterling's Hair Clinic for Men, and he is telling us, Cy, I would assume. And remember, I'm not only the president, I'm also a client. Because what the tick did with this youth is he grabbed him and noogied him until he surrendered. And the youth is exclaiming while Tick yells out, Noogie Patrol! So, that's that's for you, John, if you're listening to this. Next, we see an unnamed vigilante left from the top of the State Commerce Building in an attempt to capture a purse snatcher. We have a an image from the street of the Tick quickly descending down upon us, uh, as the camera being us. And with a badoom, he lands in the street below, chasing after the purse snatcher who is thinking extremist. Uh, it's interesting. This is the second panel on this page in which we see the word puck, which was the sound of Tick's fist hitting Beaker's face in the previous story. Puck, P-O-K. And Pock shows up one more time. Not really sure why. I guess perhaps Ben Edlund is a fan of the word Pock. I don't know. The Tick now is looking into a storefront. We see his face and his hands. The rest of his body, as we are looking at him from inside the store, is blurred out. Uh, the Tick is watching a television, which is set up so that those outside can view what's on the television. Sociologist Laps Soikis states that the tick, quotation marks, phenomenon is the product of media-induced mass hysteria. And we now return you to our regular programming. Tick says, gasp, I don't know what to say. So he starts singing, who can turn the world on with a smile, who can take a nothing day, well, it's you, girl, and you should know it. In each glance and every little movement that sh you show, that you might just make it after all. And he's snapping, and we see the third appearance of the word puck in this section. And the final panel, he's singing musical notes, and he's throwing his hat up in the air. You're going to... You might just make it after all. I didn't look that up, but is that the... Laverne and Shirley theme song. You're gonna make it. so. If that's what he's singing, that's rather amusing. I know you might not be able to tell it from my voice, but um, that's the way I read the tick. This is the voice I read the tick, and even though I am very amused, my excitement won't change very much. It's all inside. I, I laugh very heartily inside. And I say all that jokingly because I do enjoy the tick very, very much, hence my desire to do the show. A lot of times I think the things are a little bit too poignant for me and, and they go over my head. It takes me some time to think about it. I've even had to do some research to find out what exactly they were trying to say. But all of those things are what makes the tick interesting in my mind, much more different than a lot of other comic books that I read, which are typically superhero-y. So, I think that's everything I was wanting to point out about those first appearances. 
took me a little longer than I expected to go through all that, but there you go. Fairly short show. Um, I'm hoping to keep the show monthly. Hoping to do one episode of or one issue of the comic book monthly. Uh, something to keep in mind, even though a lot of things, the intro, outro, the banner, are taken from the Tick animated series. I may make references to the animated series. I really enjoyed the animated series. I don't know right now that I'll be talking about it specifically very much. My desire is to cover the comic book itself, so that's what I'll try to stick to. Um, I'll try not to make any oblique references even to the cartoon. I, I want to keep those separate. Maybe I'll interject some special episodes or something talking about that. I don't know. Uh, but there has been a, a cartoon of three seasons. There has been a live action of nine episodes. And there is an upcoming Netflix live action of indeterminate episodes. So we will see how that goes. Perhaps that will come out while I am doing the show, and the show will become just a huge hit, the podcast, I mean, because it's on TV, and I'll get hundreds of thousands of downloads and become famous. Yeah, I kind of doubt it, too. I don't think the tick is that kind of vehicle, but you never know. So that's it from my end, guys. It would be cool if some of you guys that listen send me some feedback about your origin with the tick, uh, how and why and where and when you were first introduced to him. I'll share those with the rest of the listeners, and we'll just make up one big, happy, little, ticky kind of family. I'd appreciate that. Talk to you guys again next time. Bye. The Arachnicast of Justice is a Teal production, and as such is created and distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 Unported License.